child said, that's fun. That's so much fun. It is fun. Well, tonight I, asked, I called Terry and I said, man, can you do that white robe in heaven song? He said, sure, I'll get up with everybody. And so tonight I'm going to be preaching on heaven. And I hope you can come back at 5 o'clock. You're going to learn so much. I've learned so much in studying about heaven. I preached about heaven. That kind of, you know, I'm preaching to tell people they need to go to heaven. And I'm preaching about the walls of heaven, the gates of heaven, the goat of heaven. But I found out there's so much more about heaven. And we're going to take ever how long it takes to learn about heaven. You know, we need to share with people that they need to be saved where they can go to heaven. And so we need to tell them what heaven's going to be like. And so I pray you'll come back tonight or this afternoon at 5 o'clock. I'll be teaching in here at at from 5 to 6, 6.15, 6.30, 7, 8 o'clock. No, not that long. But we're going to learn about heaven, and I believe you're going to enjoy every bit of it. Well, right now, let's look at 2 Samuel. If you brought your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel 24, chapter 24, last book, I mean the last chapter of 2 Samuel. I want to share with you a message that I've entitled, Myths, Myths that the Bible never teaches things that you hear from time to time it's not in the bible myths and uh, we think they're in the bible and so let's look at second samuel chapter 24 and we're going to begin reading with verse 18 through 25 listen if you will god's word says second samuel chapter 24 uh, verse 18 and gad and gad came that day to david and he said to him Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruah, the Jebusite. And so David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Aruah looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. And so Aruah went out and he bowed before the king with his face to the ground. And Aruah said, why has my Lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Aruah said to David, Let my Lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for burnt sacrifice and the threshing instruments and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Uriah has given to the king. And Uriah said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Uriah, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a, for a price. Nor will I offer Burn offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. And so David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity we've had to come and worship you and pray and songs, and hymns, and praise songs, and now to open your word. Speak to our hearts this morning. Thank you for this message. Help us to 
not only hear your word, but do your word. I thank you for each person here this morning, Lord. And I thank you for the great singing as we lifted up our hearts, Lord, to you in song this morning. Thank you for that place called heaven that you're preparing for those who have placed their faith and trust in you. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I want to continue a sermon series that I began last Sunday on biblical generosity. Now remember, I made a statement, the more, that, the more tightly we hold to our money, the more tightly our money holds to us. And so this series of sermons is for us to understand as God's people uh, the biblical understanding of stewardship. Uh, we know we discovered last week all of us knew perhaps before we don't own anything. It all belongs to the Lord. He owns everything. But we've been given the, the responsibility to be his stewards, to be his managers. And so we want to go about that the right way. And so we were praying that the Lord will disciple us and teach us and how we can be better stewards, better managers of what the Lord has given us uh, to, to have while uh, we're here on this earth. And so over the years, I've heard different myths in the church about giving. Perhaps uh, these myths reflect a lack of good Bible teaching in the church, something you don't, you don't hear much teaching about stewardship in churches. Or it could be just uh, poor stewardship models that's in the family, something that we just we follow our parents and what they did, and they followed their parents. And so it may just be poor models of stewardship that we've been raised up with. Or it may be that people are just looking for an out with such a, a delicate topic as, as money. But the human heart, you have to be careful, the human heart can be deceitful, very deceitful. And so what does the Bible not say about money? What does it not say? But we, we hear people say, the Bible says, it really doesn't say that. And so if you're taking notes, I've got about four myths that I want to share with you. So first of all, what does the Bible not say about money? First, God doesn't need my money. I've heard that before. There's no use me giving any money because God doesn't, he doesn't need my money. Now, as far as that, that argument goes, that's, that's true. God doesn't need our money. I mean... Um, uh, Psalm 50, verse 10, uh, listen to this. For the, every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills, and I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, and all of its fullness is mine. And so people say, well, God doesn't need my money. Well, that's true. God doesn't need our money, but... God is, the Bible also says in Acts 17, 25, that God's not served by human hands as though he needed anything. God doesn't need anything from us. And so the fact of God has everything and God doesn't need anything doesn't neglect or doesn't uh, excuse a person from giving an offering to the Lord. Very important. And so we don't give God something that he needs we give to god something that he owns to begin with and so uh, uh, psalm 89 
uh, verse 11 says this. Listen to this. The heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world and all of its fullness, and you have founded them. And so what we're doing, we're not giving something to God that he needs. We're giving God something that he already owns. And so it's a myth that God doesn't need my money. He, he doesn't need it. That's true. But we give to him, recognizing that he owns everything. We give because he deserves our worship. Giving is a, is, is, isn't, it's not a divine necessity, but it's a human expression of divine worth. When we give, we are declaring the worth of God. Now, I don't know if you recognize this or not, but, but your giving, our giving, our offering that we receive, that's a part of worship. That's a worship time. It's not intermission. It's not time to go to the restroom or take a break. That's a time of, that's a time of worship. Years and years ago, when this church was for, first organized, 100 years ago, 1921, they had a little Lord's Supper table up front. It's in my office. It's in my study in there now, and just where it's in safekeeping. And people would come by at the offering time, and they would lay their money on that offering table on the Lord's Supper table, served the Lord's Supper table too. It's about two and a half foot square, a little bit small table. And that was their act of worship. And they did that at the end of the service. Now, you remember when Jesus was in the treasure and he was watching everybody give and the Pharisees were given and, and they, had, they were given to the treasure and this lady, this widow, she didn't have any money, but she gave all she had. And the Bible says that Jesus was watching the treasure. And so, back in 1921, people would come as Jesus watched the treasure, that scripture for it, and they'd lay their money on the Lord's Supper table, and that was, that was worship time. And Brother Brown, that came back in the 40s, Brother Brown was the first preacher uh, that came and recognized the, uh, he bought offering plates, and we had those offering plates, the original offering plates, uh, that the church used, and Brother Brown was here, the first ones the church ever had, and they were destroyed in the tornado. The point being, your offering is a time of worship. It's part of your worship. It's part of our worship service. And so we need to pray before we give to God. We need to thank Him. We need to thank Him for meeting our physical needs, thank Him for, uh, for our automobiles and for, for the house that we live, for the clothing, for the food we have, for the job we have, for the salary we have. We, we thank him and we offer him an offering, a gift, and that's in worship. And so you're, you're giving from your heart out of love for uh, the love you have for God. And so not because he, he needs our money, but it's because you love him. And so the myth, God doesn't need my money, really doesn't excuse anyone from giving to the Lord. Remember, it's an act of worship. Today, when we receive our offering, that's an act of worship. So just remember that. Myth number two, I give my service, but not my money. I've had people tell me this. You know, uh, I give my service, but I don't give my money. Somewhere, Christians have developed this mentality that because I serve in the church, that excuses me from giving. You know, they may serve a lot in church, and that's good. But there's, there's, two there's, there's two serious cautions that we need to be aware of. The first one is everyone in the church serves, um, but uh, they don't give. 
you know, you may be in the church, you may be serving, but you may not be giving. And uh, if everybody in the church served and didn't give, we'd have to close the doors of the church. Uh, and so that's, that's something I have to be cautious of. Uh, second thing, the Bible never the nev- Bible never offers an option. You serve or you can give, or you can give or you can serve. Never offers that option. So you have myth number one: God doesn't need my money. That's not biblical. I give I give my service, but not my money. That's not biblical. And number three, jot this down: I give, but I choose where I give. I give, but I choose where I give. I've discovered over the years that there are two surrenders that a Christian must make in order to, to practice biblical stewardship. Two surrenders. The first surrender, you must uh, surrender your currency. You must, uh, uh, you must make a decision to give, meaning uh, it's deciding to let go a portion of your income to glorify God and to make Jesus known to the world. That's the decision we have to make, to surrender our currency, to give in order to be a part of the mission of reaching a lost world to him. So we have to surrender our currency. And then something else we have to do. We have to, uh, we have to make sure that not only do we surrender that, that currency, but we surrender control of that, that currency. Surrender control of it. Uh, often when a Christian decides to give, uh, they want to maintain control of where that, that money goes. Therefore, many resources, by them doing that, many resources are being stewarded outside the church. They're going somewhere else besides in the church. And so there, there are a lot of good ministries outside the walls of this church. However, God has designed the church to be the primary agent of all the ministries of the world. God has designed the church to help the poor, to help the widow, to help the orphan, to help the senior adults, to help the missionary, uh, to plant more churches, to help young people, to help our preschool, to help our youth, to help our senior adults. God has designed the church to do ministry, and the local church has this responsibility of the breadth of ministry. It's the church's responsibility. And so the priority of giving should be directed to one's local church so that the church can accomplish its God's given mission to the world. That's the way God designed it. So the point is God is is glorified both through our surrender of currency and the surrender of our control while at the same time partnering with the church to do what God has called the church to do. And so that's the way God has designed the church. So myth number one, God doesn't need my money. It's not biblical. Myth number two, or myth number one, God doesn't need my money. Number two, my service, I serve but I don't give. Not biblical. Myth number three, I give but I choose where I give. That's not biblical. And number four, we'll spend a little time on this. It doesn't matter how much I give. Now, that brings on a question. The question is, how much should a Christian give? How much? Give me a dollar amount, Brother Sammy, and, I, and I'll try to give that. How much? Now, now, remember, to begin with, last week I shared that 10 to 25% of Christians don't, uh, you know, they, they give something. The rest don't give anything. 
but 10 to 25% of Christians give. And the average gift of those 10 to 25%, the average gift is 2.5% of their income, yearly income. But 2.5% of their yearly income. During the Great Depression, the average gift of a Christian was 3.3% during the Depression. And so the question is, how should we give? Well, I'm going to be personal here. Because years ago, Judy and I, we committed to tithe. Now, I'll talk about tithing later. If I talk about it at all, I may mention it. But we, we committed to tithe. And, and I believe the tithe is a good standard to begin with. We started with the tithe when we got married. Recently, I, I read where a preacher said this. He said that 10% is the beginning level of generosity. If you want to practice open-handed generosity, 10%, he says, is the beginning of that generosity. Now, there are some people who can never tithe. I'm thinking about a lady that's uh, she's a single mom and has three children and two part-time jobs. She couldn't tithe. I'm thinking of a person that's on the poverty level, just barely getting by, just getting enough where the government assistance that that person can't tithe. But I'd like to share the principle that, that, that works for Sammy and Judy Taylor. It really works for us. You might want to try it. I really believe that it's pretty sound, and I believe it's biblical. Here's our principle. Here's what I give. It's the amount that expresses God's worth to us and our faith in Him. Let me say that again. What do you give, Brother Samuel? Well, I give the amount that expresses God's worth to me and our faith in Him. Now, I believe the problem in people's giving, as far as Christians are concerned, it's not a percentage amount, it's a heart amount. It's a heart problem. It's not about 10%, it's not about any of that. It really goes back to the heart. It's what you think God is worth and how much faith you really have in Him. What amount, what amount expresses the worth of somebody in your trust and your abiding pursuit of them? How much? How much would that be? Let me tell you the answer to that. It's a sacrifice. That's the answer. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 18 through 25, we find where David, he sets up this standard, this standard that we're using, this standard near the end of his life. He's going to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. He comes to the personal property of Urah, the Jebusite. And this man was so excited for the king, to come, King David, to come and visit with him. And when he reached Uriah's, Uriah's property, David said, I want to offer a sacrifice. The man was so excited. He said, well, I tell you what, here's my oxen, two oxen, you can take them. And, and king, I tell you what, not only can you take, have my oxen, you can have my threshing floor. Threshing floor was made out of wood, and they would put their... They'd put their wheat there, and they'd throw it up in the air on top of this hill, and the wind blows chaff away. And he said, you can even cut up my threshing floor. You can even have 
the plows that I use on my oxen. You can cut those wooden plows up and, and you can have that wood, you can have that for your fire. And I've got plenty of water here and, and it won't cost you anything. I'm going to give you all of this as a gift. You can have it all. And David said, no, I'm going to insist that I pay you for it. Verse 24, and David told why. He says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God a burnt offering that cost me nothing. David knew that for a sacrifice to be genuine, genuine worship, it couldn't be cheap. And so the greatness of God demanded a, a great cost. And here's the point. I'll not stand before God and pretend to declare his worth to me and my faith in him by giving him a tip. I'm not going to do that. By giving him something that really doesn't cost me anything. I, I don't know about you, um, but I'm going to sacrifice. It's going to cost me something when I give something to the Lord to declare God's worth to me and my faith in Him. Let me give you an illustration before we close. Tomorrow's Judy's birthday. She's three months older than I am. I thought I'd just share that with you. But anyway, tomorrow's her birthday. And let's say, for instance, I get up tomorrow and I'm going to say, listen, honey, today's your birthday and we're going to go out and we're going we're to have a good supper tonight. I've got a place reserved. And I want you to dress up. I mean, really dress up. It's really going to be a nice evening for us. And I've got this, um, uh, I've got this table reserved for us, you know, and we shouldn't be interrupted. And it's just going to be, um, it's going to be really nice. It's that, it's that Taco Bell, you know. Now, just think. In that very moment, I'm dealing so cheaply with my wife that I communicate volumes to her volumes and how she's how much she's worth to me and my pursuit of her and that's the same way it is with god god i love you so much god you have provided you've provided this for me and you've provided this and you've healed our children when we they were sick and you've healed us when we were sick god i don't know what i could have done without you here's five dollars here's ten bucks here's twenty bucks i hope you're satisfied god i'm not going to do that how much should we give here's the answer the amount it causes us to walk by faith, that's a sacrifice. It's not hard to do that because as you grow in your relationship with him, it, it should impact on how you give. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says, Excel in the grace of giving. Grace of giving. So whatever you give today, whatever you give tomorrow, next year, you need to excel in that. The question is, how do you grow in the grace of giving? How do you grow in that? Well, here's how. If the greatness of God is increasing to you, then your generosity to God increases from you. If you're receiving all this grace from God and all of His, all of his grace is coming to you, then your generosity to God needs to go forth from you. And so as you're closer to God, the easier it is for you to give a grace gift to God. If we see God more great than yesterday, 
then our response to God grows. You need to remember that. If you came to know Jesus, say, 10 years ago, and you were saved 10 years ago, or maybe 15, or, or maybe 20 years ago, and nothing happened, nothing's happened. I mean, you don't, you don't pursue him, you don't pray to him, you don't, uh, you don't know him, you don't listen to him, you don't read his word, he's really not affecting your life in any way, then it shouldn't be surprising to you that you would give nothing to the Lord. The point is, if God means nothing to you, then you give nothing to him. But if the greatness of God is increasing, if it's excelling in your life to the one that, that you love and you, you love dearly, the Lord Jesus, then your, your generosity and the grace of giving excels from you. So please remember that. So the question is, how much should we give? Well, and I have this ask of me at times. Well, Brother Sammy, do, do I give on the gross or, or on the net income? You ever wonder that? Should it be pre-tax or is it post-tax dollars? How, how do I give? Listen to this. As the people of God, Remember this, we shouldn't be trying to figure out how to give on the smallest possible amount to God. That's terrible. Remember, God doesn't need our money, but our money is the reflection of what we think about Him. So be careful in your giving. That's worship time for you. So instead of thinking, how little can I give, but think, how much can I, can I give away? Okay. So this morning, there are myths that the Bible doesn't teach about. God doesn't need my money. That's a myth. It's not biblical. I give my service, not my money. That's a myth. It's not biblical. I give, but I choose where I give. That's not biblical. You steward your resources somewhere else instead of the local church. That's not biblical. And number four, it doesn't matter how much you give. Well, I believe that the tithe, I really do, should be a level. It should be a, a standard for us. And I believe biblically generosity begins with that tithe. But I suggest the principle that Judy and I have. How much should I give? It's the amount that you express God's that expresses God's worth to you and your faith in Him. And the next question I hear from time to time, well, how do I start? Well, first, ask God to give you the amount that communicates sacrifice. What's that amount? What is it? Talk it over with your spouse. If you have a spouse, get together, talk it over. Honey, what do you think we should give? It really be a sacrifice. And then establish a rhythm in your giving. Establish a discipline in your giving. You give, some people give every week. Some people give once a month. But you need to have some some rhythm given. We went on vacation after Christmas, and I missed that Sunday uh, after Christmas. And when I came back, I wrote a check, and I doubled it. Why is that? Because I have this rhythm. This is what I give per Sunday. It's not a free Sunday from God. It's a Sunday that I make up. When the ice came and we didn't have worship, uh, what did I do? Well, I make it up the next, a snow day, whatever. I make it up. It's my rhythm. I give to God weekly. Some give monthly. Can, can you imagine what would happen in all the churches if everybody would increase their giving 
one. I'm talking about not only this church, but in all churches. Uh, would, you, would you be willing to say, Lord, we're going to step a little deeper in following you, and we're going to try this principle. And what you mean to us and our faith in you is this. You know, I, I closed with this illustration last week. I just barely touched on it, but I'll close with it again about Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was moving through the streets of Greece, and he saw this beggar, and this beggar cried out to the emperor, and, and he said, uh, Emperor, he said, uh, would you help me? And so the emperor threw him a couple of gold coins. And one of the emperor's aides were standing, standing next to him, and, and the staff member said, you know, emperor, two copper coins would have been enough. Why throw two gold coins? And the emperor said, two copper coins would have suited the beggar's need, but two gold coins suits Alexander's giving. So what suits your giving? The copper or the gold? To be honest with you, gold suits us as believers because God in heaven was rich toward us that he sent his only begotten son into this world to die on a cross for us, gave up his riches of heaven and came and was made poor made sin for us there at Calvary. We're, we're goad people. We should be given from our heart because we love him uh, based on our love for him and then the faith that we have in him. It's all about faith. And so be careful with myths. They're not always biblical. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity I've had to share uh, on this subject again. Help us, Lord, to be taught by your Holy Spirit, to be good stewards. Um, Lord, to be good managers of what belongs to you. We have nothing, Lord. We came into this world, Job said, naked. We'll go out of this world naked, and whatever we leave behind is not ours. It really it all belongs to you, and it'll wind up in your hands one day, we know for certain. And so, Father, I thank you for each person here. And uh, their giving is is they're thinking, they're praying about giving today. And so I pray that I haven't confused the message any, but Lord, I've, I've brought out those myths that are taught from time to time, from, even from pulpits or perhaps in families. But God, help us to realize that all those are not biblical, but help us to evaluate what we give, how we give it, and the worship that we present it in. Thank you for, again for persons who are here and those who are lost that are here today never trusted you. Father, I pray today that they have realized that the only way they can go to heaven is through you. You tell us in your word that uh, you said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. I pray that that's come across to people today. And today they would come forward, although they might not understand everything, and say, Brother Sammy, I want to trust Jesus and him alone for my salvation. I want to go to heaven when I die. And so I pray, Lord, you'll speak to hearts of people that need to be saved today. Hearts of people who recommit their life today to you. May have people to come and, and, and kneel at this altar and pray and as a husband and wife and make a commitment like Judy and I did to... to have the principle of giving and the Lord how much you mean to us and how much we trust you determines in what we give to you 
Help us, we pray, to be, to be wise when it comes to our stewardship and our management. Thank you for this church and in the years and how people have given. And, and over the years, it's, it's grown. And you've blessed us so much. And, and Lord, it's, it's only because of you that we're here today. And I thank you, Lord, for the people who have given in the past. And, Lord, to make things possible, how you used them. And I know you've got a good future, a long future in store for us. Be with us during this invitation as people make decisions, perhaps to come and unite with the church here. I don't know. But, Father, take, take control of our invitation time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you. 